And now I invite you to turn in your Bibles to first, uh, not first John, excuse me, John's Gospel, as we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of John. And we'll be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. And our scripture reading will be, um, and actually I'll read verses 6, 7, and 8, and then we will read John, 19, uh, John chapter 1, 19 through 34. So here's the reading of God's word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes one who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. This is the reading of God's Word. And we say, thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. uh, We do give thanks to you indeed because this is your Word. We thank you for this, your Gospel. that was written by... Um, one of the apostles of your son, Jesus, who was an eyewitness 
of his majesty who saw Jesus' own glory and was the apostle um, that Jesus had a very close and personal relationship with. And so, God, we thank you for his testimony and we thank you for these words that he has written. And we thank you as we're looking to uh, see and understand uh, this figure that introduces not only in John's gospel, but in all of these gospels, the uh, John the baptizer. And so we pray that we can learn from his life, learn from his identity and who he is and what he, uh, what he taught, and that it could cause us to stir in our hearts more love and desire to serve and worship the one he pointed to, and that is your son, Jesus. So help us to do that here in these next few moments. And Jesus Christ, it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Uh, let me begin with just a little question. And, and I want you to think about this for a little bit. Um, who, setting Jesus aside here, so don't, don't say Jesus, okay? Uh, who is the greatest person who has ever lived, in your opinion? Did you give some thought to that? How many of you had the name that came to mind right away? Steve? All right, Steve, you get to share. Whose was yours? Moses. Moses, okay. Moses, is that's a good one, all right. How many of you were still thinking? If you had to narrow it down to one, who is the greatest person who's ever lived? Give me some names, too, if you've come up with one. Just toss them. Huh? Abraham, Abraham? okay. Jacob, these are all biblical ones too. What about, you know, could be people from outside the Bible. Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Any others? Martin Luther. Martin Luther. Ooh. Okay. Benjamin Franklin. Okay. Ah, yeah. Who do you mean by great? Just trying to think of a great, well-known, famous person. Somebody who's accomplished a, a, a great deal, maybe. Well, these are all, we could go, the list could go on and on. We could think of uh, famous presidents. We could think of kings and conquerors. Alexander the Great. I mean, it's, it's in his name, right? <laughs> Alexander the Great. Well, um, but who does Jesus say is the greatest of all? It's interesting in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this of John the Baptist. And we're going to come back to this passage again in a, in a moment. But he says, truly, I say to you, among those born of women. OK, who does that include? <laughs> who does this go among those born of women everyone anyone who's i don't know of anybody who's not born of a woman uh, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than john the baptist jesus says john the baptist is the greatest person who has ever lived why well that's what we want to look at here in a moment what is it about john the baptist that makes him so great so let's look at uh, John, and we're going to look at this here in two parts. 
we're going to ask this question, who is John? What made him the greatest? Which is connected to the last question is, who is it that John bore witness to? So in verses 19 through 28, we're going to get a picture of who John is. And then in verses 29 through 34, we're going to see what John was all about and who he bore witness to. So there's your, there's your breakdown today. Who is John and who John bore witness to? Who is John would be verses 19 through 28. And who John bore witness to or what he was all about, what his mission in life was, we see in verses 29 through 34 and who he bore witness to. So we've already heard about John because several weeks ago when we looked at the first 18 verses of John's gospel right before Christmas. And we saw this in verses 6 through 8. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness to bear witness about the life that all, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So I want you to notice these terms here. Uh, verse 7, to be a witness, to bear witness, and then uh, bear witness again in verse 8. And then I want you to notice in verse 19, the word testimony. Okay, And then notice again in verse 32, bore witness. All of those are the same. Uh, and then also verse 34, where he says, I have borne witness. All of this is connected to the same, uh, same group of Greek words, to bear witness or to testify to. Um, it's to, to, to swear almost as like you're, you're giving witness, bearing witness testimony in a court of law. He is bearing witness. He is testifying to the truth about who Jesus is. So we've seen John already earlier. And John uh, is the one who comes before Jesus. Not only does he appear here in John's gospel, he appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, which would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so I want to look at a little bit. John presents the, the introduction on who John the Baptist is a little differently than he appears in the other gospels. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. And I want us to get a picture here of John the Baptist, the one who is coming to prepare the way for Jesus. John's account doesn't give us a great deal of details about what John is doing. John's account begins in verse 19 with a bunch of Jews coming from Jerusalem to interrogate John and ask him some questions. We do get an, a picture here. He says, they ask him, well, why is it that you are baptizing? So we know a little bit about what he is doing in the wilderness, that he's baptizing. The other gospels give us a better picture, and I think Matthew's is a good one to uh, look at. Here we are in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 3, where Matthew writes, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 40 is what is quoted there. And Matthew is saying that this is 
what John's role is. This is, the, this is a prophecy of one who is coming before Jesus to announce and to prepare the way for his coming. So one of the signs that you would know that Jesus is the Messiah is that you would have a forerunner who would go before him. Matthew just tells us that this John the Baptist is fulfilling that verse. In John's version, it's John himself who's, when presented with the question, who are you? He goes, this is who I am. I'm the voice. I'm the voice who, want, who comes before. Now let's look a little bit more about John's ministry there. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now why is that significant? Now, if you notice the footnotes there or the cross-reference notes, if you've got a Bible that has the cross-reference notes, you'll see some references to, to Second Kings there. This is reminiscent of Elijah. His dress and his food is very reminiscent of the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. We'll come back to that here in a moment. And then in verse 5, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to him, said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Okay, stop there for a moment. I think that this is... Uh, this is not included in John's gospel here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are who is pictured here. This group that is sent out from Jerusalem from priests and Levites in verse 19. And then also it says kind of in a parenthetical way in verse 24 that they were from the Pharisees. So here's the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming out to him. And they're sent out to interrogate who he is. Because John is baptizing in the wilderness... And they're going, wait a second here. Uh, we need to kind of, we're, we're the religious authorities in Jerusalem. We need to come and authenticate what he's doing. So they come out, which is, which is interesting because John actually comes from a priestly family. Keep that in mind too. In Luke chapter 1, uh, we, we are introduced to John's parents who were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And remember, Zechariah is a priest. He's of the tribe of Levites. He's serving in the temple at the time when he gets the vision and letting him know that he's going to have a son and you're going to name his, him John. And he is, remember, he's struck mute and he doesn't speak again until uh, after he writes on the little tablet. It says his name is John. So maybe that's why they're wondering what's going on. Here you have a priest uh, or someone from the priestly tribe, at least, who is a, a prophet who is saying that the kingdom of, his, of, of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is near, and therefore repent for the kingdom of God is coming. So they're coming to, to interrogate him. And when John sees them, he welcomes them saying, it's, oh man, I'm so grateful that you guys are here. I was, I was wondering when you would show, show up to come and validate my ministry. <laughs> Instead, who warned you guys to show up? And he tells them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance because everybody else had been coming to John in repentance for their sin. These guys were coming in repentance for their sin. They were coming with a skeptical heart and a skeptical attitude and wondering who this uh, meddling uh, person was. 
He continues, verse 9. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Don't miss what an amazing statement that is. Because this is actually what God does. Maybe not from literal stones. But God himself is the one who is able to decide who his covenant children are. And that it isn't connected to your ethnicity. He said, don't don't claim that Abraham is your father and, and say that that gets you an inside track into who is in part of the kingdom. Because God is the one who makes children for himself. Verse 10, even now the ax is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There you got a picture of John's ministry there. His calling to come and to prepare the way for the Lord, and that was to announce repentance. Why? Because one who is coming after me is coming. This is what John doesn't include. He doesn't include the details of what John the Baptist is doing here. Instead, he jumps right into the investigation by these, uh, these people. So now, let's look at um, verse 19, the testimony of John. As these priests and Levites show up to ask him, Who are you? And that's really our question today. Who are you? Who is John? Now, embedded perhaps in that question, who are you, is um, the assumption, at least in that question, is are you the Messiah? Because immediately John turns around and answers, no, I am not. He, and as a matter of fact, it says it in a very kind of uh, clumsy kind of way here. At least in English, it would seem very clumsy for it to be translated this way. Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he confessed, but didn't deny and confessed a negative, I am not the Christ. This is just a way of to say, I am, um, I swear on a stack of my grandmother's Bibles, I am not the Messiah. So then they ask him the next question. Well, then if you're not the Messiah, then are you Elijah? Okay, now why is that significant? It's interesting uh, because in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet in the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 3 and in chapter 4, speaks about the return or coming of Elijah. As a matter of fact, let's look at that. We're not very far away. Um, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And notice in Malachi chapter 4, It's actually the last two verses of Malachi. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, 
I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And this is the last that the people of Israel hear a prophetic word from the Lord for 400 years. This is the last it's the last words of the Old Testament. It's very uh, significant that that's the case. Um, the last words of the Old Testament, it's the last that the people of God hear from a prophet, hear a word from the Lord for 400 years until John shows up. So in a way, John is kind of the last of the Old Testament prophets uh, and the first of the New Testament prophets. So the Jewish people were looking for Elijah, the actual physical Elijah, to come back, but perhaps come back from the dead or to see Elijah again, and he will come, and then you will know that the Messiah was close and nearby. So this is what's behind their question. Hey, are you the Elijah then? And it's interesting. He says, no. He says, I am not Elijah. Now, this creates a little bit of a problem because now I want you to turn to um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, you should, should um, maybe be there already. Notice what it says in verse 12 of Matthew 11. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So John says, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm John. I'm, I'm not Elijah. I'm John. But Jesus, as actually correcting, or maybe even giving a, a, a revelation here, further revelation of something perhaps maybe John wasn't even aware of, is that actually he was the Elijah. He wasn't the literal Elijah, but he comes in a figurative way. He's fulfilling that role of that prophetic Elijah that Malachi talks about in chapter 4. He is the one who is coming to raise up Elijah. He is that, he is that Elijah who's come in spirit. So Jesus says that much later. But in John's gospel right now, in the middle of this interrogation, they're asking him, are you Elijah? He goes, no, I am not. So we know who John isn't. We know he's not the Messiah. We know he's not the Elijah, or at least he didn't uh, believe that he was the Elijah. And then the third thing, they ask him, well, then are you the prophet in verse 21? And he says, no, who's the prophet? Deuteronomy chapter 18 spoke of one that he was going to send. I'm going to send you a prophet like Moses. Listen to him. John is correct here. He's not the prophet. We learn elsewhere in the book of Acts and elsewhere in the Gospels that that prophet is actually Jesus himself. 
So he's not the Messiah. He's, he, he says he's not the Elijah and he's not the prophet. And so they're a little frustrated. And they said, well, then who are you? And he says, Isaiah 40. The one who is coming to prepare the way for the Lord. That's me. As a matter of fact, the most important person there is the Lord. He's kind of saying, I'm really a nobody. I'm just here to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So that's who John is. He is sent by God. He is the voice. Or one of the other terms that's often used to describe him is the forerunner. The one who comes before Jesus to announce, to prepare God's people to hear from the Messiah. That's who John the baptizer is. And that's why he is. He baptizes with water. He goes, but there's one who comes after me. I'm just the forerunner. I, I mean, really, I'm not a person of significance at all. The one who really matters is the one who comes after me. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie, he says in verse 27. So that's who John is. We know, we know who John is by who he isn't. He's not the Messiah. He didn't think he was Elijah. And he's not the prophet. He's just a man sent from God to be the voice, the forerunner for the Lord. His main job was to bear witness to the one who was to come after him. And so now let's look at who he bore witness to and then what we can learn uh, from John's life. Who did he bear witness to? Well, we see a little bit of that. We saw it in the introduction, verses 6, 7, and 8. He bore witness to the light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. The light of the world, as we'll learn later in John's gospel, which is Jesus. Who else did he bear witness to? Verse 23 when he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, he's saying of himself, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way for, of the Lord. So he bears witness to the light. He bears witness to the Lord, which is Yahweh. And then in verse 29, here's the next one. So here's light, Lord, and then here's another L, lamb. Verse 29. After the interrogation, the very next day, it says, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John bore witness to the light, to the Lord, and that light and Lord is also the Lamb. The Lamb of God. Remember in Leviticus, in the Old Testament sacrificial systems, the people, when they would sin, they would have to come and various types of uh, ceremonial offerings would need to be given. And it often involved the shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the Lord provides the lamb for you. He provides the blood so that you can be forgiven. And here, John is saying, when he points and sees Jesus coming to him, he goes, that's the lamb. 
the final, definitive Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. That's who John bore witness to. So he bore witness to the light, the Lord, and the Lamb. And then he bore witness to the... Sorry, I couldn't keep doing L's here without it sounding really weird or goofy. So here's the next one. The pre-existent one. The eternal one. Notice verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me or above me because he was before me. Now, wait, wait a second here. You're looking at Luke's gospel and we go, wait, John was actually born before Jesus was. We have the whole account about the angel coming to Elizabeth saying you're going to be with a child. And then the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to be with a child and he's going to be the savior of the world. And they actually are cousins or relatives or some sort. So even John and Jesus are related, you know, perhaps cousins or something. They're related in some way. But he says, and actually he ranks above me because he came before me. This is a reference to Jesus' eternal identity. His eternal deity. That's verse 30. So John bore witness to the preexistent one and the preeminent one in verse 31. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. He's the one who ranks above John, who Jesus said is the greatest person who has ever lived. So John bore witness to the light, the Lord, the Lamb of God, the preexistent one and the preeminent one. He bore witness to the one who is actually the bringer of the Holy Spirit who brings spirit baptism. Because remember, he says in verse 33, um, I baptize with water, but he, when he comes, he's going to baptize with the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, he says, and, and the Lord God had even told me that when you're doing your ministry, when you see the Spirit descend and remain on a person, then you will know he's the one. So back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately we went up out of the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. John is saying, I, I bore witness to this. I saw this. He goes, as a matter of fact, the Lord God told me he was going to be the one that is going to usher in the, the coming of the Spirit. And then lastly, we see who else he bore witness to, and that is the Son of God. Verse 34. And I have seen and I have bore witness that this is the Son of God. This is John's testimony. Who is John? 
Jesus says, of all those who are born among women, he is the greatest who has ever lived. Why? Defining greatness. How's greatness defined? In your accomplishments? Um, military victories? Financial success? Large family? John had none of those things. But what, does, what did John do? What was it that made him the greatest of all persons? He was the one that was appointed by the Lord to be that voice, that prophetic forerunner who has to come in and announce the coming of the light of the world. He was the one who was, who was blessed by God to be chosen to announce the coming of the Lord. To see and immediately recognize in Jesus that he was the Lamb of God who would on that cross would have his blood shed so that the forgiveness of sins could be poured out. He sees in Jesus the one who existed before him. He sees in Jesus the one who is ranked above him. He sees in Jesus as the one who ushers in the new covenant age. The, arriving, the, the arrival of this, the Holy Spirit of God to come and dwell with his people. And he sees in Jesus as he is the one who is the Son of God. That's what makes John great. That's where greatness truly lies. But notice what Jesus also says. Back to Matthew chapter 11. And here's a moment in John's life where he is actually held in prison. Because in honesty, if you're going to be faithful to the Word of God and to preach what the Word of God actually preaches, if you're going to preach repentance of sins, if you're going to say to the political establishment, who warned you, you brood of vipers, to come out here, um, you should not expect your head to be still attached to your body. Because that's what ends up happening with John. He ends up being beheaded and he is in prison as that's how it, the setting of what uh, is, is here in Matthew chapter 11. Notice verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Oh, can you feel for John right here? I mean, at the height of his ministry, as people are gathering around and getting baptized in the wilderness, in his boldness and his declaration against all the religious authorities who are coming from Jerusalem to question the validity of his ministry, that he looks and he says, wow, he's the one who is to come. I'm just the voice, the forerunner for the Lord. And look, the Lord is here. He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb. To now being in jail and going, did I get this wrong? Did I get this wrong? Are, are you the one? Or should I look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. 
And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Jesus continues on, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Who's the greatest who's ever lived? John the Baptist. And Jesus says, yes, he's the greatest. However, he was the one who was ushering, who was the one who was announcing my arrival. Now that my arrival is here and that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, guess what? All who now enter into that kingdom through me are greater than John. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you know the one that John points to, the light, the Lord, the Lamb, the preeminent, the preexistent, the Son of God, then you are greater than John. John was the greatest because he points to Jesus. Jesus says that all who receive him and believe in him are greater than he. Friends, may we be, in that sense, may we be like John the Baptist. May we recognize and immediately point out who Jesus is to this lost world. May we give faithful testimony to who Jesus is. And may we, like John, say, I am not a person of significance. Who is a person of significance is Jesus, because he is the greatest. And unless you submit to Jesus, you have no place in his kingdom. But if you do submit to Jesus, you are the greatest in his kingdom. So may we. Learn from John the Baptist. May Jesus increase and we decrease. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for John. That in your supreme wisdom, that in your plan, you had it set that the entrance of your eternal son into the world would include a forerunner, one who would go before you. We thank you that you established that in your 
your word in the scriptures of the Old Testament that a forerunner would come to announce the arrival of your son's coming. And God, we thank you that that fulfillment of that forerunner happened in John. And may we learn from his life Help us to understand our place and our identity. Help us to see ourselves in relation to your son as being just unworthy servants, as lower than servants. But help us to also to faithfully testify to who Jesus is. We'd ask that you would even give us, by your spirit, the boldness of John to speak to the cynical unbelievers in authority that question our message. And God, we pray that you protect us from the doubts that would creep into our minds about who you are truly are as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Protecting us a desire to look for another and to keep our eyes fixed on your son, Jesus. So help us to that end, Lord. And God, we want to pray for the many people in our congregation who are experiencing a sickness and illness right now. God, we pray that your healing touch will be upon them. We pray for those who are traveling, that you would give them safe travel. And we look forward to when we could be gathered together again as your people. If you tarry in coming back until then. And it is in the blessed name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Friends, let's stand for our closing benediction this morning. Brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit be with all of you. As you go. Thank you.